please open it to Jonah chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 3. Chapter Jonah, Jonah 1, verses 1 through 3. Some are called, some were sent, and some just went, says my late Aunt Fannie Mae. Her words are a reference to preachers. So now all of them are called. Some were sent, and where others, they just went. On their own accord. You see, the, uh, uh, the call must come first. It comes before the sending and the going. There must first be a call from the Lord. And a few weeks ago, we, we talked about the, the Lord's call to Jonah. It's a call to to be a prophetic witness to the people of Nineveh. He was to go and preach out against them because of their sin. And that same divine call comes to each of you as well. You see, if you have saving faith in Jesus Christ this morning, that you've come to that place where you have received and you rest upon him alone for your salvation, we have to realize that there are certain implications of that faith. There are things that flow from that saving faith. And you being Jesus' prophetic witness is one of those implications. Just as God calls Jonah to arise and go, Jesus calls each of you to go and make disciples. He does. If you have your Bible... Jonah 1, beginning in verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Arise, and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish before, from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Please pray with me for me. Father, as we come to your holy word, we need your spirit to supernaturally work, to take these words, to take preaching and apply the truth to our hearts. Because if you don't do it, Father, the spirit doesn't move, nothing ever gets done, and nothing happens. I know as Americans we can sometimes deceive ourselves into thinking that things happen because of us, because we're Americans. But Lord, our faith is highly supernatural. And the Spirit is real. His work is real. We need Him today. We need You, Spirit. We pray to You. We cry out to You and ask You to come and fill this place Remind us of Jesus. Draw, draw us closer to the heart of Christ. Take the word and pierce our hearts. Move in us. Show us Christ more and more today. And in his name we pray. Amen. The church is called. The church is sent. But will we go? Will you go? Will Jonah go? 
You know, as, we, as I just said, the Lord calls Jonah to arise and go. He calls Jonah to go to a particular place, and that place is Nineveh, to a particular people, to Gentiles, pagans. And he gives Jonah particular instructions of what he wants Jonah to do once he gets to Nineveh. He tells Jonah, I want you to go there and call out against these people because of their sin. Because their sin has come up before me. And I want you to go there and call them out for it. The call is not in shades of gray. It's in black and white. It's a clear and straightforward call. Nor is the call optional. God is not, as I said a few weeks ago, God is not making a suggestion to Jonah. He's not saying if you feel like it, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to get up and go because I call you to go. He commands Jonah to arise and go. The Lord makes the first move. He always makes the first move. And now the ball is in Jonah's court. A response must be given. Parents, when you call your kids to do something, don't you expect a response from them? Right? You expect a response, right? Now, when you tell them to go clean up their room, is that a suggestion? Is it, a, is it optional to them? Yeah, you expect a response, but you expect a certain type of response from them. And it's not, well, I do it when I feel like it, Mom. It's not, well, I'll get to it later. No, you expect them to get up and go now. Now, if that's true of us, how much a holy God to Jonah? How much more God? He expects a certain response for Jonah. He expects Jonah to get up and go. And Jonah hears this call, and he fully understands what's expected of him. Jonah is not a rookie prophet. He is not green. He is not a prophet in training. You see, Jonah's prophetic works is alongside the works of Amos and Hosea. Jonah actually prophesied during the, during the reign of Jeroboam II in, in Israel. Jonah is a seasoned prophet here, not a rookie. He's been a prophet for a long time. And like I said, he knows what is expected of him. So the ball is in Jonah's court. He has to make a decision. Yahweh is waiting for a response. And the text says, but Jonah. But Jonah. That's not a good but. But Jonah. These two words introduces to us a contrast, a conflict has now entered into the story. A conflict between God's call to Jonah and Jonah's response to that call. It's a conflict. The but Jonah lets us know that, that Jonah's response is not going to be in line in what the Lord expects of his prophets. The Lord tells him to get up. Now he gets up. He gets up. But he gets up with different intentions. He gets up for a different reason. He gets up with a different purpose. And the text says, Jonah rises to flee. He gets up to flee. This is one of those, oh, he, no, he didn't moments. 
Yes, he just did. Jonah rises with the intent to flee from the call. He doesn't want to go to Nineveh. He doesn't want to go there. Jonah doesn't go away slowly. He doesn't jog away. He doesn't walk away. The text says he flees from the call. To flee draws in your mind a certain type of image. It means he turns tail and runs away. He wants to get out of Dodge quickly. He's in a hurry. He's not wasting any time because he doesn't want to go to Nineveh. All of us here can relate to Jonah. So we don't have to look down on him. We don't have to judge him. But each of us know what it means to flee. It's for, it's, if you're a kid, if you're a teen, if you're an adult, we all know what it means to flee. For it's a human instinct to flee from situations and circumstances that are uncomfortable, that are a threat to our way of life. We want to flee from it. Sometimes it's wise to flee. Other times it's just a form of self-protection or self-preservation. We flee from hardships. We flee from things we don't want to do. You look for a way out. And this is what Jonah is doing. He's looking for a way out. He doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to go. So he needs a way out. And notice, the story doesn't even record Jonah speaking any words. Jonah hasn't even said anything yet. Hasn't said a word. He doesn't have to. Because his actions speak for him. His actions speak for him. And what does his actions say? His actions says to God, I heard what you said, but I still ain't going to Nineveh. That's what, that's what his actions say. I heard what you said, Lord, but I ain't going. I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm not going there to be a prophetic witness. Now, it's important to point out that, that Jonah doesn't have a problem with being a prophetic witness. He's, he's not. As a prophet, that's what he already is. He is a prophetic witness of Yahweh as a prophet. Even in 2 Kings 14, records us, tells us that Jonah prophesied that King Jeroboam will restore the northern kingdom. He prophesied that, and it happened. So Jonah knows he is a prophetic witness. His problem is with the particular details of this call. That's his problem. That's his issue. For some reason, he does not want to go to the great city of Nineveh. He doesn't want to go there to bear witness to Yahweh. He doesn't want to go there to engage these Gentiles. He doesn't want to go there and preach out against them because of their sin. He doesn't want to do cross-cultural ministry. You need because Jonah is a Jew. People in Nineveh are Gentiles. So he would have to do cross-cultural ministry to do what God would want him to do, but he doesn't want to do it. I will not go to Nineveh. That's what he's saying to Yahweh through his actions. So the text says, Jonah flees to Tarshish, which is west of Nineveh, completely in the opposite direction to where the Lord tells him to go. Nineveh is east. Jonah says, well, I'm going west. And that's his intent. That's his purpose. See, he, he has made a decision in his heart. He has made a decision in his mind that I'm not going to do this. And after he makes his heart decision, once his heart is not in it, if your heart is not in the call, you are not going to do the call. And Jonah's heart is not in the call. 
So once he makes his mind up that he's not going, then he makes plans on how he's going to get to Tarshish. Now he has the plans. The text says, Jonah went down to Joppa, which is a, a, a seaport of town, a, a, a seaport town of, of Philistine. And, and Jonah travels there to find the means to get to where he wants to go. And once he gets there, he finds the means. He finds a ship. And this ship is going to be his escape vessel. The ship is going to be his way out. His escape route. What's going to help me flee from the call? Notice the pronouns in the subject of, uh, of this verse. Jonah rises to flee. He went down. He finds the ship. He pays the fare. He went on board the ship. What do you see there? It's all about Jonah. Operating out of self-sufficiency, disobedience, doing what he wants to do. Here's the thing I, I, I realize about ministry, that people are going to do what they want to do at the end of the day. Even if you can, you have God himself speaking to Jonah. It ain't no, it's no middle man. God is talking to Jonah. And yet Jonah at the end of the day does what Jonah wants to do. And this is what you need to learn about people. At the end of the day, we will do what we want to do at the end of the day. If it's a priority, we'll do it. If it's not a priority, we won't. Bottom line. Jesus Christ can right here and tell you what to do. If it ain't a priority in your life, you ain't going to do it. You're not going to do it. Tarshish is, is, is mentioned three times in this one verse. And it emphasizes that, that Jonah is not going to change his mind. His mind is made up. He's not going to change it on his own accord. His will, his desire, and his motive is to get far away from Nineveh as possible. And it would take divine intervention to change him. What I love about the Old Testament is that you see humanity and the sovereignty of God at work on full display. You don't get that usually in the New Testament, but you get it all through the Old Testament. You see you. You see you lived out in real life with real people. Jonah's mind is made up and he's not going to go. And so as you look at Jonah's actions, it can, actually, it can make you scratch your head and think, and wonder, how can a seasoned prophet end up doing what Jonah is doing? How, 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 what could lead him to do this? To be unashamed and in this open rebellion. And you probably thought that about some believers, you know. You know some believers probably thought that about you as well. You know, what can lead us to follow in the footsteps of Jonah? I'm sure some of you have said, so-and-so have been a believer for years. And I don't understand how they could be doing what they're doing. I thought so-and-so was a strong believer. I thought they had a, a, a strong marriage. I thought this, I thought that. But, and so you get bewildered, bewildered and confused because you see people you've known for years end up fleeing from what God requires of their life. And you get confused and wonder, how could this be? Listen, none of us are beyond falling. None of us are beyond fleeing. It can happen to you at any given moment because none of us are without sin. 
It doesn't matter how long you've been a believer, you're still prone to wonder from the God you say you love. Prone to flee from the things he calls you to do. Age doesn't change sin. Sin still be sin at 20 and at 60. And just like Jonah, we we will flee from the call. Don't forget, Jesus calls you to be his prophetic witnesses in this country in which you live. Not a prophetic witness of anything else. You're his prophetic witness. And this call doesn't mean you to call you to be a radical Christian. He's saying in a normal, mundane life you have, in the regular routines of your life, be my prophetic witness. Take up your cross and follow me in the daily things that you do, in your job, in your neighborhood, in the way you do family, in the way you parent your kids, in the way you do marriage, in the way you live and operate in church, in the way you handle relationships. Be my prophetic witness in those things. This is what he wants you to be. Be a prophetic witness in how you engage culture, in how you engage in government, education, and politics. Be my prophetic witness in how you handle failure, success, disappointments, and hardships. Be my prophetic witness as you engage people cross-culturally. Be a prophetic witness by sharing your faith and making disciples. That's what we're called to do as a church, to take the gospel to the nations. No one else, there's no other institution, no other group of people that can be a prophetic witness of Jesus but his people. And it's a privilege to be that. Because guess what? If you don't do it, he always raises up somebody that will. So don't think, you, 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 God ain't lucky to have you on his team. <laughs> Don't, don't, don't get the big head now. He, you, he spoke to a donkey now. Remember that. <laughs> Remember that. So come down. It's a privilege to be a prophetic witness. And this country needs believers to be that. To be that. And we're not that. We're not that. We're prophetic witnesses of other things, of ourselves of other entities, or other things in our country, accept this. Be a prophetic witness to Jesus in the way you love others, in the way you treat your enemies. And listen, this isn't a call to perfection. It's simply a call to bear witness to the one who redeemed your life from the pit of hell. That's what it is. To bear witness to the one who redeemed your life from the pit of hell. That's the calling. Who are you going to represent? Who is your family going to represent? Who do you represent? As believers, we don't represent anybody but Christ. Everything else that we align with is secondary to that. Secondary to that. Everything that you're engaged in, you should be engaged in for the purpose of taking the gospel there. God's kingdom needs to come there. God's kingdom needs to come here. And wherever God has you, he wants you to take that kingdom there. But will we? But will we? Again, this is a privilege. If you won't do it, he'll raise up somebody that will. It's a privilege to be where God has you. You're not there by accident. 
You're not in the neighborhood you're in by accident. You're there to take the gospel to that neighborhood. But will you? Many of you have said, I'm called to be part of uh, this church, a church that is cross-cultural. I'm called to, to be a leader. I'm, I'm called to, to serve on a ministry team. I'm, I'm called to be a deacon. I'm called to be an elder. I'm called to be a pastor. But the rubber hits the road when the call gets messy. I should get an amen for that. Okay. The rubber hits the road when the honeymoon is over. So the honeymoon will be over. New officers, the honeymoon will be over soon. Okay? Tomorrow, yes, thank you. Amen. So when the rubber hits the road, what are you going to do? Because the call is not always comfortable. It don't always fit into the American way of life. The call doesn't promise you freedom from conflict. The call doesn't promise you that, that people are going to always like you. Only American Christians think everyone should like us. Please know, historically, that has not been true of Christianity. What did Jesus tell the disciples? They persecuted me, so they're going to do the same to you. Right? If they did it to me, they're going to do it. He told you what's going to happen. It's just what it comes, it's for the course. It's what it means to be a believer. The call does not fit into our schedules all the time and our lifestyle. The call is not always one of convenience. It will interrupt your American way of life. It will interrupt it. Jesus calls the church in America to be his prophetic witnesses, and it will threaten your comforts. It will intrude on your lifestyle. It will challenge your cultural biases. It will interrupt your schedule and your plans. It will make demands on your life, your time, and your stuff, and your resources. And when the call does that, guess what's going to happen? You're going to want to flee to Tarshish. You're going to want to flee when it does, when it gets hard. When he calls you to do something you don't want to do, you're going to want to flee to someone else. When it gets hard, when it gets difficult, when it gets messy. You're going to want to flee. And Tarshish represents self-sufficiency. That's what it represents. It represents going my own way. It represents doing my will. It represents self-preservation and self-protection. And that's why Jonah went there. Oh, far away from the call as possible. What is yours? Where do you flee when the call on your life gets hard? Where do you flee? Where's your self-protection? We all have it. What is yours? You need to know yourself. Jonah here, he isn't just fleeing a call. That's what you see on the surface. Beneath the surface, he is fleeing from the Lord himself. That's what verse 3 tells us. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. The verb that is translated to flee is mostly used to refer to fleeing from an enemy. Think about that. That term, that Hebrew term, is mostly used 
when people are fleeing from someone who they consider to be your enemy. This shines light on, on what is going on with Jonah spiritually. Because he's fleeing from the presence of the Lord as if the Lord is his enemy. The presence of the Lord speaks of the Lord's kingly authority over every area of his creation. The presence of the Lord it speaks to his sovereign rule over his creation. A sovereign rule that makes demands on the life of his people. And I got to tell you, Jonah's sinful nature, sinful passions, and sinful desires do not like the sovereign rule of God. It does consider it an enemy. And the same is true of you. Your flesh does not want to submit to Christ's lordship in your life. It will fight against you. Paul says in Romans 7, when I want to do good, evil is right there with me. It's true of all of us. It's true of Jonah. He does not want to submit to what the Lord has called him to do. And that's the heart of the issue. That's the heart of it. Will he submit to God in his life? Will you? Every step that Jonah takes towards Tarshish makes him go, pushes him further downhill spiritually. He goes down. He goes below the deck of the ship. All that are, are spiritual implications of where he's headed spiritually. He's sliding down, farther away from the Lord. The last part of verse 3 says, So Jonah pays the fare and goes below the deck of the ship to go, away, to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. In the Hebrew, the, the term that is translated away from the Lord can also be translated turns away from the Lord. And I love that better. Because the image I see is that Jonah turns his back on the Lord and walks away from him. That's what he's doing. He turns his back away and walks away from him. And that, brothers and sisters, is faithlessness faithlessness. He knows what's expected of him, but he turns his back on it and goes in the opposite direction. Faithlessness. Please understand, beneath the surface of your physical fleeing from God's call is your spiritual fleeing from him. If you have saved faith in Jesus, then you are under his lordship as well. And he speaks of his lordship, even the Great Commission. What does he say? All authority. All authority what? What does that mean in the Greek? It means all authority. <laughs> in heaven. On earth. Has been given to who? Is there any other pronoun there? He didn't say me and you. He said me. Me. And what does that mean for your life? It means you are under that authority. You're under it at all times. And there's a part of you that does not want to submit to it because you want to do your own thing. That's the simple nature in us all. I know, you, I know you'll say, like Peter, oh, not me, Lord. No, oh, no, they, they, may, they may turn their back on you, but no, not me, Lord. And what happened to Peter? Oh, he did. And we're allowed, we allow to do the same thing. And we do. And you will. We all wonder. We all struggle with faithlessness. And when you do, what happens? What's going to happen to Jonah? 
the first sermon I preached on this, I read you a quote by, by um, Hans Wolf. It says, the book of Jonah is a story about Yahweh's dealings with Jonah. That's what the story is about. How God deals with a reluctant cultural prophet. God's going to deal with him. But how? If you had the ability, let me share, let me close with this. If you had the ability to time travel, you know, just use your imagination for a moment. And what you would do in this time travel adventure is that you're going to observe the history of Christianity from the Old Testament all the way until today. And if you, if you observe the history of Christianity, what would you see between God and man throughout the history of Christianity? What would you actually observe? You would observe this. You would observe a history of God calling and man fleeing from that call. That's what you would see. That's the history of Christianity. God making the first move and man always running from it. That's the history of it. It started in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. History teaches us that what sustains us is God's faithfulness despite man's faithlessness. That's what history should teach us. And that is what God is going to display to Jonah, who doesn't deserve faithlessness, faithfulness, but he's going to give it to him. How do, we, how do I know that? This is how I know that. Verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amatai. Do you know what son of Amatai means? Do you know what that means? Son of my faithfulness. Even before Jonah rebels, even before Jonah flees, you have it right here in verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of my faithfulness. So how is he going to deal with this reluctant prophet? The same way he continues to deal with you, in faithfulness. In faithfulness. The Lord will remain faithful to Jonah, though Jonah turns his back on the Lord. The Lord would not turn his back on him. And so for you this morning, if you're in a bad spot, your marriage is in a bad spot, your business is in a bad spot, the Lord will remain faithful to you to the end. Now, the way that faithfulness looks may make you uncomfortable. I'm telling you, Jonah's going to go through some stuff, and it might not, it don't look like faithfulness. But it is faithfulness. It is faithfulness. The late Rich Mullen says in his song, Sometimes by Steps, I may falter in my steps, but never beyond your reach. I want you to think about that this week. You will falter in your steps, but never beyond the faithfulness of your God and King. That should encourage you. That should inspire you. That should motivate you to continue to press forward in this hard and broken world. That you're never beyond the reach of your God and King. Amen. Let us pray. Father, though I falter in my steps, never beyond your reach. That is such a gospel statement. Lord, that you are faithful. You know us. You knew what you were getting into when you redeemed us. You know we're sheep. We always forget what we are, Lord. We are we the ones that forget it. We always surprised when we fall, but you're not. Because you know us. 
You sent Christ because of our junk, because we're sheep. And so, Father, as, as we all go out this week and, and do family, as we all go out this week and to our jobs, help us, Lord. For it is a struggle to, to live out this call in the world in which we live. And we fail many times. But great is your faithfulness to us, Lord, unto us. That, that no matter what we go through, Lord, that you can pull us out of it. We're not going to be perfect, Lord. But whatever we do, help us to love others well. Help us to share the gospel, to share Christ in the places that you have us. You're not calling us to be radical. You're not calling us to be superstar Christians. Just be faithful where we are, Father. And that's enough. I pray for this in your son's name. Amen.